Hey, and welcome to Insurance Town. I'm the Mayor Heath Sheeran and the host of this podcast. Guys, I'm super excited that you're here hanging out with me today because I got my good friend, broker Brett Fulmer, coming to hang out with us today. And he does a great job breaking down some of the, the things that we talk about when we say InsurTech or we talk about um, venture capital or we talk about uh, startups and incubators. And you hear all this stuff out there. You see these different uh tech conventions, all these things going on. Some of you like me might be thinking, what in the world are they talking about what's going on? So Broker Brett's here to talk to us a little bit about that. Uh, And I want to get into that episode as soon as I possibly can. So I want to talk to you about my good friends over at Smart Choice. I'm proud to have them as a sponsor and uh, going on now, coming up in our third year almost. And I'm super proud to have them here. They are the fastest growing agency network for a reason. They have no lengthy contracts. They have no upfront fees and they share in their bonus and contingencies. And they just want to help you to be the best agency owner you can be, whether it's uh, looking for markets or advice or help placing uh, accounts in the commercial realm or the personal ones. They just want to help you and they can help you in so many different ways. So you might want to go to smartchoiceagents.com and check it out and tell them the mayor sent you. Also, my good friends over at Cover Desk. Cover Desk is uh, an awesome sponsor because uh, they do uh, all things virtual assistance. If you're looking to add staff, you're looking to grow, if your team is uh, at max capacity and you need more staff, look at no further than Cover Desk. Look at virtual assistance as an option because they become a part of your team and they become a fabric of your culture and what you're doing on a day-to-day basis. And you're really going to enjoy working with them because uh, Andy puts them through uh, rigorous training and helps them to understand how we operate as an industry and what we do as agencies. Um, and they want to come in and just help. Um, I've worked with several VAs over the years from CoverDesk, and every single one of them are top-notch, and they do a great job. Go to CoverDesk.com. They have a a one-on-one approach, or they also have a team approach. If you want to have someone come in to help with reshops or, you know, um, helping with special projects or a book roll or anything like that, look no further again than CoverDesk. Go to CoverDesk.com. Now, when uh, I opened up the show talking about Broker Brett. I'm going to get out of the way because I want you guys to hear this phenomenal conversation. He comes back in, I think, for the third time, maybe. Uh, we'll figure that out. So sit back, relax, and enjoy my conversation with my good friend, Brett Fulmer. Brett Fulmer, my main man. What's going on, brother? I'm back, man. Thanks for having me. Looking forward to catching up on the uh, the recording here. Yeah, dude. It's going to be fun. We've had uh, – you've been on here a couple of times now. Yeah. So, um by the way, we didn't talk about it before, but I like the the Ted Lasso reference. Oh, yeah. Believe back there, Please I like that. Yeah, Ted Lasso. It's a, that's a solid show, man. You know, sometimes when you have your, you know. I think it's over forever though. I just watched, I think the last episode, and I, I'm not gonna lie, I teared up a little. I think it's good though. Like I, I like that they kind of they seem to have a good idea on how long shows should run these days, and I feel yeah. like even Succession they didn't stretch it out. They could have. Yeah, um, it's kind of funny. I feel like both those shows we could tie back to business and startups for sure. But, oh, um, but yeah, you know, you got to stay positive. Got you on your people. And Ted even had those moments where he has uh, his toughness and his guile, you know, like his dart scene, whatever else. It was sort of like what I'll call like a chosen optimism, you know, a kind yeah. of scene. Yeah. I uh, mean, I love the show. I just it was one of my favorites. And I caught up the last episode the other day and I was like, oh, man, I really think it's over now. Um, but maybe they'll do something. I don't know. Um, 
But I think the way they set it up, I think it's over, which is good. Um, but anyhow, we're not here about Ted Lasso, but I did notice the Believe sign in the background, so I thought that was cool. Um, so... Anyhow, since most people already know you, let's do like a sprint down memory lane just to kind of catch people up to maybe even more recent of what you're doing now, you know, um, mm-hmm. and that'll probably let them know why I wanted to bring you on again. So, yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me back. I have a retail brokerage that I run through Smart Choice. I've had a great relationship there. So I actually started on the recruiting side for the group as well, past year and a half. And then been around startups basically since I got into insurance because a lot of the insure techs gave me my first ability to write business. Um, so I always kind of lended my two cents from there as well. But yeah, enjoy the game. Try to play it on a couple levels and have a good time. Yeah, man. And, um, you know, I wanted to start off because one of the things I've been seeing for a while now from you, but more recently, and I've heard more stories about it as I've gotten to know friends that are involved, is this thing you started several years ago called Broker Bruce. Yeah. Tell me a little um, bit about that, what that's meant to you, what that is. And, you know, if anybody's in California and wants to get involved, tell them how they could, any of that kind of stuff. Yeah, it's kind of fun. And we're going to do our best to line up some templates. So if people want to run it, we can kind of run a bigger network or give them some of our best practices. Um, you know, it was a meetup about insurance years ago. <laughs> Tried to make an insure tech thing for like six months and nobody showed up. This is five or six years ago. And then it's been a pretty casual networking group that in a weird way, I think actually fits more sort of what I'll call post-COVID, where people are a little more down to earth, a little bit more jeans and polos. I kind of felt like pre-COVID, it was a little bit more suits and excellence and seriousness. And I feel like past couple of years have kind of made us all, you know, I don't want to say a little humble. Maybe this is just a SoCal thing. But it, it kind of relaxed everybody a little bit, and um, it's been a great hang. It's not just insurance folks. It's real estate folks, lawyers, uh, finance people, you know, payroll, HR, a little bit of everything, which is cool. And then people like it because you'll have your competitors there, but there's plenty of business, you know, especially in SoCal, 100%. but there's plenty of business. And uh, so they kind of run into their peers, whereas in your traditional networking groups, you know, kind of one-offs. Um, yeah. But yeah, so we've been doing that. We did one in the Inland Empire last month. We're going to do one up in LA actually this month with some VCs and startups. And then next month, we're supposed to go to San Diego. So a little road show this year too, to kind of stretch out the SoCal reach. Yeah, it's fun. And we had a good turnout. So, I mean, it took us probably three or four years, three years to break in the 20s and 30s. Our first one in the Inland Empire, we were, you know, 20s and 30s. So it's pretty cool and humbling and not going to lie. You talk about tearing up at Ted Lasso. I was kind of crossing the OC to IE border, kind of like, this is cool. You know, kind of taking a yeah. little baby, you know, to another another part of the area. Dude, that's it's pretty awesome. fun. Yeah. So was that born out of a uh, prospecting thing for you and then just morphed into something bigger? Or is it just more of, uh, I mean, where does that come from for you? Uh, you know, I read a book forever ago, Never Eat Alone. And yeah. Hopefully this doesn't sound dark, but 48 Laws of Power was a really interesting book to you. Mm-hmm. And you learn probably similar to a podcast, but running a group doesn't take that much more work than participating well in something. And you kind of get unique upside. Um, plus just excuse, you know, meet up with the buddies, go new places, kind of, you know, go where we want. Sponsors take us different places. Um, I'm a big fan of like collecting like contacts and opportunity without like a specific outcome, which I'm sure plenty of people could tell who've kind of followed me. Um, kind of letting the chemistry happen by putting a bunch of good elements in a room as opposed to sort of mathing it out. Yeah. Um, but don't get me wrong. Like once the table's set and you have good people, you have good business opportunities, you're confident in your own resources. You know, you got to ask for the deal. People aren't going to give you business. Um, but yeah, there wasn't like a grand plan as much as it seemed helpful to build a group of friends that were 
trying to build their careers, their businesses, their lives together, you know, and we've gone to weddings, you know, we've seen people have kids, like we've, you know, gone through, seen people through the whole dating cycle to marriage and all that. It's pretty fun. You know, the, Bro, the five, six years we've done together. Yeah, it's cool. You know, as you know, you know, everybody that listens to this show and I posted about it this morning, I'm a huge relationship guy. And I think that's where you go. You know, I think that's how you get a lot further in this business is building those relationships. And I see you involved in Chamber of Commerce and uh, Newport area, I'm guessing. Yeah, it's fun. And, yeah. and I see you involved in the broker brews and whatnot. And so I think that's super cool. And then I see you... Uh, meeting up with your insurance nerds buddies in Utah, you know, and I see you. Yeah. And I want to dive into that too, but for those that did before we, you know, go to Utah, um, you know, I want to keep it right here for a minute uh, because I do think we're on to something a little bit here. And I think I like that you thought about, you know, the roadmap of how to do this. If someone say in Little Rock wanted to do this or in Arizona or in Texas, wherever, uh, what does that look? I mean, what that look like for you? How long did it take you to set up? And you know what? You know what would that look like out of the box? Is it all sponsored or anything come out of your pocket? What's it look like? So <laughs> I would say just the effort um, on my side for the most part. It's nominal. Um, we will go to different breweries if there's a sponsor. They typically pay for food, and then we've been buying event insurance lately just because it's getting a little bigger and it costs a hundred bucks. So in yeah. case somebody's driving home, whatever else. Um, so that's a small thing that's kind of elevated. We have drink tickets and it's like trial by you trial and error. Yeah. Uh, we've had a couple open bars and even on a weekday, people get a little excited. So we found the drink tickets is kind of like a middle <laughs> ground where if you have to ask somebody for the drink, it kind of slows you down a little bit. Yeah. We're just salespeople, you know, it's fun. Oh, yeah. Um, so yeah, little things like that. Try to get out a couple weeks in advance. I mean, it's goofy for the local ones. We have like a list of about 200 people and I just make the um, the invitees hidden and I just move the Google. I just duplicate and yeah. move the location. Yeah. Okay. Um, and people just click and go. And then for the Do ones you use that are- like a, a, an Eventbrite or like a meetup or a sort of app or you just put on Facebook. Like how do you, what do you so set that up? Kind of interesting. So we used to, uh, and then during COVID, it became a little bit more like, not say insular, but Google invite direct. And then okay. that's actually worked really well. Um, and then we also use LinkedIn because LinkedIn keeps it pretty professional. And then the Google invite keeps it pretty professional. When we did like Eventbrite and meetup and stuff publicly, nothing wrong with it, but you get, you get some characters showing up, you know? <laughs> yeah. um, and then for the ones out of the area, We've been doing Eventbrite uh, private pages, so not password protected or anything, but you have to have the link. You can't like stumble on it. Right. And my, my friend Matt from you know Input One worked with some guys in the Inland Empire. Uh, we got a VC friend who's helping them to line up one up in LA. Uh, we'll have a point person for one in San Diego, so I can kind of host it, and then they can lead open networking. You know, throw some notes and kind of curate our group that way too. Yeah. So. If somebody, uh, you know, it's, you know, pick random state, you know, yeah. uh, Mississippi or Texas or wherever wanted to do one of these type things, any advice you might give or what, you know, because people might be like, I can't do that. I won't get anybody to go. Nobody will show up. And you were like quickly got to 20 or 30 or whatever it might be. And so what does that look like? I, I'm a big fan of like approachable goals that you can like kind of just almost like step over, you know, like I. I don't want it to be too hard. So I used to do it every other month and that was a nice cadence because every three months is a little too disconnected. Every month is a lift. I started doing it every month when I got more involved with Smart Choice just because it seemed like a really good network to yeah. facilitate and guys like Jim Anderson come out, you know, meet agents, um, you know, our marketing reps will come out and hang out with us. So for me, that just seemed like an extra 
you know, reason to work hard at it. Um, but I go every other month, you know, we like breweries cause there's kind of a medium tone to it, you know, bar, you know, the former youth pastor, me, the bar can get a little raucous for a weekday. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. yeah. We're lucky. I mean, it's so funny, but breweries popping up everywhere the past dozen years, you know, kind of give us a nice location. Um, i trying to think what else. Yeah. I mean, they're more than welcome to join our like LinkedIn page. I'll do a better job putting that out in the world. We can start kind of coaching through there. In my mind, I kind of almost have this like Kinko's model where I heard no two stores operate the same, but they had these like little principles or ideas. Sure. It'd be really fun to build a network um, and just help people kind of spin up in different places. And, you know, I joke with Tony Kanyas, like with insurance nerds, like monetize without bastardize, you know, maybe we'll have a job board eventually. Maybe there'll be sponsors, but it's cool. We make a living off our day job so we can kind of create this thing that's sort of helpful and tangential, but we don't have to, you know, milk yeah. the cow too much. <laughs> yeah. Totally get it. You know, my wife and I, you know, she runs the PIA of Arkansas, uh, shout out there for a minute, but we wanted to do something similar to that several years back. And, uh, we called them, uh, we have a, a thing called uh, young insurance professionals. Yips. It's a PIA thing. And so we had just yipster mixers. And so what we did was we, you know, invited every agent we could, you know, from whatever area we were in, we'd take it on the road a lot. But then what we would do is invite marketing reps to come out because they got to spend money and they got to take their agents out to drinks and dinners and whatnot. We wouldn't have a sponsor. We just invite every marketing rep we could. And sure yeah. enough, they'd end up picking up all the tabs. And well, any tab that was left open, it'd go on Insurance Town or, or PIA or Smart say. Choice or whoever. But usually the marketing guys would be happy mm-hmm. to do it and they could check it off on their market on their list of, Hey boss, I saw 14 agents tonight yeah. at the Yip Mixer. And so very similar approach. Uh, and it ended up, you know, now we do them every quarter in different cool. areas of the state of Arkansas. So again, another idea there, but I like because the way we do it was simply for insurance agents and whatnot, but you invite other spheres of influences and you invite, you know, like I said, mortgage brokers, you mm-hmm. might have a realtor, you might have a business owner and an insurance agent. And uh, so I think that's a cool approach to make it a networking, a prospecting and just hanging out with your buddies and having a break. Yeah. yeah. It's um, I kind of joke for the LA one that it, you know, it's like the post-conference without the conference, Yeah, you know? And uh, the other thing about the sponsorship is you're right. Like it's as much as maybe like buying a decent meal and we just make each other look good. You know what I mean? There's not much to it. Like just get other people's names out in front of the crowd, you know, help each other out. Um, It's a lot of fun, you know? And the, yeah. And the relationship building has just got to be, you know, priceless. And so, especially when you bring up, and it's funny you say that because just last weekend, my wife and I went to, you know, a wedding of someone we just met six months ago, you know, that in the insurance industry, we just became friends really quickly. It was small, intimate family gathering and then us. And so we were the odd men out, but just because the relationship we built. So again, whether you've known someone for a month or two or six months, that's a cool place to be. Yeah. And um, awkward transition here. But yeah, then I also see you, you know, flying to Utah and doing stuff with your insurance nerds friends. And I've been seeing a lot of these pop up, not pop up, but a lot of these events more and more on LinkedIn of these incubators and these, you know, VCs getting involved in this and insure tech things. And there's a big one, it may have already happened in New York, you know, mm-hmm. insights. Yep, insure tech insights. Yeah. That one. And then I've seen them in, you know, Texas and I've seen them in here and there and everywhere. So I thought it was interesting in Utah. And so Mm -hmm. tell me a little bit about that. What brought you out there? What did you see out there? What's your thoughts? I know you're the the tech guy in uh, insurance town. So give us some insights on that a little bit. Yeah, I appreciate it. Um, 
I would say techie for an agent and then not quite there for anybody in tech. If I said techie, you'd probably make fun of me. Um, so Wade Millward's awesome with Rycor. Super nice guy, super encouraging. He's given me some opportunities. I was really excited about the chance to go support him. Uh, and then Margot Giles with like Iris, probably butchering that. She's another good friend of ours. Um, being in SoCal, there's definitely headaches in California, you know, reasons people want to leave. But there's also really cool things like LAX. You know, get anywhere in the world, pretty much straight shot. Yeah. Um, cost me about 200 bucks to fly from LAX to Salt Lake. Left on a plane at 8.30. And, you know, I had to leave my house, you know, what, 6 maybe? 5.45? Not the end of the world. Um, so I take off at 8.30, get there at 11.30. Went to lunch with Wade, a pre-event where I got to hang out, you know, with like Paradiso and Daniel, you know, Sun and all those guys. It was cool. Um, you know, got to go by agency VA's office, hang out Wesley. It was really fun. Um, and then, yeah, went to the event at four, wrapped at six, got a burger with Jim Anderson and Tony who was back on a plane at eight 30 in Utah, landed at nine 30. The only wrinkle was ended up, or sorry, 10 30 here. I ended up on the tarmac for like 45 minutes. I wasn't expecting it <laughs> other than that freaking lights out day. Um, yeah. So tell yeah, me what you saw when yeah. you were there. Like what? It was For those cool. that don't know, um, yeah, because I got a, a, a great audience. It's a wide range of listeners, and some of those that may not know what goes on at these events. And when someone says incubator, they might mention VCs, they might just startups, intratech, all of that kind of stuff. If you could kind of throw that up, in, you know, in a language that we might be able to understand a little better. Yeah, and then I'll, I'll make a couple. I think I can make a couple of comparisons that are interesting. Um, so the event was in Lehigh, and I landed in Salt Lake. And apparently, and I haven't been to Salt Lake City. If I had, I was a little kid. Um, it's just blown out. So it's like a 30-minute drive, but there's stuff everywhere. And when you get to Lehigh, there's a lot of slick tech startups. I'll call them big, fancy boxes, office buildings, names splashed up. They totally reminded me of like San Jose or even when I was in Ireland. It was really interesting to see Utah kind of popping like that. And Silicon Slopes apparently is uh, just a great local incubator. So you'll have really big companies like Vivint or whoever else were homegrown yeah. in Utah sponsoring. Um, and InsureTech's kind of a sliver of what's participating there. Um, but a really nice facility, great little desk, awesome stage, lighting. And they packed it out. You know, I think uh, Wesley was doing a lot. I think Wade helped stoke it. But there were close to 200 people in there. I was seeing people like Bob Sargent. I wish I had a chance to talk with. Um, and to kind of make it a little more granular and interesting, hopefully, um, there were some people who sponsored more of like an independent agent sort of incubator. So in my mind, in startups, we have independent agents, we have small business, we have kind of independent folks and that sort of one entry point. And then we have like corporate VCs and you know, large venture funds and people who are looking at the, you know, the giant Apple that is top brokerages, top AMS system. So it's almost like these two paths. And this event catered more towards the independent path and kind of like the small business path, um, but was really fun. And side note about traveling around the country, this is the first like sober startup event I've ever been to, which I'm not uh, totally surprised in Utah, but yeah, there's no beer. It's right. so funny. Like you hang out with all the startup folks. It's usually a little bit of a party. Um, right. But that was really funny as us and there. I was like, wait, <laughs> what, yeah. what kind of companies are you looking at? What were some of the interesting things yeah. that you saw? Because I've heard some stories at some of these events of someone that might come out with some off the wall, yeah. you know, pet insurance 
startup tech company that does something for cats or so. I don't know. Just I'm just making stuff up. But I've heard some interesting yeah startups out there. What what did you see? Like what was some of those that we might be on the lookout for that you saw that were interesting? So I'm, I'm going to try not to get too distracted, but a lot of times I think tech doesn't really like invent stuff as much as it digitizes kind of what's already there. Um, yeah. So the first one was like, I'm going to a home survey company that lets you do it on your mobile phone. So instead of, you know, highly cost prohibitive or taking a month or like a hacky version of somebody doing a home survey themselves, um, it was a digital home survey company. And then I think it was Wade, who has Rycor, who gives software to the franchisors to ensure the franchisees and keep them in compliance. PNC, really cool dude, really good vision. Um, and then Mod Advisor, I'm slipping on his name, but helps you break down, um, you know, your loss runs, helps you break down your, you know, X mod materials. I need to dig in that more. You can tell I don't totally know what I'm talking about there. Um, but Mod Advisor was there. Uh, the Margot, uh, who won? Congratulations, Margot. Yeah. Uh, with Iris, which is more of a... Is that a Todd Thames that does monetizer? Uh, yes. Yeah, Todd. That sounds right. Yeah. Um, and then Margot's building Iris, which is more of like a relationship-oriented, you know, CRM, AMS, you know, as opposed to account direct specific. Um, she's worked on some really cool stuff, you know, great agency experience. Um and then the last one, really nice gentleman uh, who's doing like fraud, you know, on images and documents, you know, fraud analysis, because apparently people file wrong insurance claims. Apparently people try to get more money than they should sometimes. <laughs> no, I didn't realize this, but, you know, insurance fraud is an issue, I guess. Um, so, so he's working <laughs> on that. But uh, but yeah, it's really cool. That event was focused a little bit more on independent agent channel. Um, I feel like I've done way too much name dropping, but it's really fun. Like. Mike no, Fusco from Fusco Associates. Hanley was there. It was really always nice to see him in person. Um, yeah, the insurance industry kind of showed out to, to Utah to support, support some buddies who are building stuff. Yeah, yeah, I think that's super cool. And that's one of the things that I've, you know, I've noticed a trend in is, you know, once we finally, you know, I feel like we were late to the party on the insured tech. But then once we've gotten there, I feel like, you know, we're, we're running a little bit with that. Not necessarily a sprint yet, but I think we're trying to catch up so much, you know, to the rest of the world almost. Well, and insurance is conservative and there's lots to protect. And I don't think it needed to run too fast to start because people are making money, you know, and things are kind of working. Um, <laughs> now that technology and the internet have proved themselves, it's great that we're leaning in. Now, um, five or six years ago, there was like a disrupt and that was in every industry, you know, tech thought it could come along kind of like, quote unquote, like eat people's lunches. Um, but I think tech realized there's a deep knowledge in insurance. And I think insurance realize oh well there's some efficiencies we're missing um and i think the past couple of years kind of humbled everybody and kind of put everybody in the same room i always thought insure tech was going to go away eventually it's just going to be like insurance you know yeah. um insurance using technology you know we're getting there um i've i've said this a bunch so i apologize for repeating but my rule of thumb for working with startups is trust like the founder because if not why you know see it working somewhere else but not an in insurance yet and then think the team's capable um probably needs to evolve you know a lot's happened um but those are kind of like the tenants i'm usually looking at things with and so the ones that because there's a lot of them that start up and a lot mm -hmm. of them that don't make it mm -hmm. the ones that do what would you say you know is what i guess take this from either angle actually what yeah. do you think what do you think makes the ones that don't make it fail and what do you think the ones that do make it what what's their secret sauce what do you think it is is it a patience game or is it something they know that somebody else doesn't or is it something, however you want to answer that because yeah. you seem to be more connected in that world than i am down here in little rock 
Were we still just barely wear shoes? <laughs> it's cool that we're mashing up everywhere. We got plenty of people in Orange County that don't wear shoes. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Especially in Orange County. Hey, we're at a mid-roll ad, ladies and gentlemen, and I can't wait to talk to you uh, about uh, my good friends uh, over at Manscaped. Father's Day is right around the corner, and you probably haven't gotten your dad anything yet. Don't worry. That's where my good friends over at Manscaped uh, will come into play. Manscaped, you and I both know uh, your dad needs some grooming in his life. Seriously. Grab your dad the Performance Package 4.0, and he will thank you so much for helping him tame his beast. It's a win-win situation for both mom and dad. You get this uh, awesome uh, tool shed here. Uh, that you could put all of your stuff in. It comes with uh, the trimmer, which is uh, called the weed whacker, which helps you with those nose hairs and the ear hairs and and all those other hairs like there, your eyebrow, all of those things to help your your, your uh, father look good. Uh, it also comes with the lawnmower 4.0 for the below the waist grooming. It comes with the crop preserver and the crop reviver. And uh, if you wanted to look in another direction, there's also the uh, Beard Hedger Pro. Sorry, the lighting here is a little off there. I, I apologize there. But the uh, Beard Hedger Pro here is uh, a phenomenal product here to help him with his beard. Maybe he's growing out that ZZ Top beard, going back to his old days. Uh, or maybe he's uh, just needing some some help around that area. So this is a phenomenal, phenomenal product. So you may want to check this out too. Maybe uh, you think your dad might like a shirt. Uh, you go out there and check that out. There's so many products. Manscaped.com. Please uh, go and check it out and uh, use the code Mayor when you scroll to the bottom at checkout. You'll get 20% off. But wait, there's more. You also get free shipping on everything that you order using the code Mayor. Manscaped.com the uh, only men's brand dedicated to below-the-waist grooming, and they have perfected uh, the game with the Lawnmower 4.0, with this Beard Hedger, with the Weed Whacker, with all of their products. They are phenomenal. Go check it out. Also, my good friends over at Canopy Connect. We reference Canopy Connect in the show, but they are the one-click solution to getting all those deck pages you need to quote your prospects. Guys, I can't tell you enough about these people. They've been with me since day one. They are changing the game for both personal lines and commercial lines for your customer journey, the customer experience, for your agency. Go check them out at usecanopy.com. And again, if you use backslash Heath, you're going to get a discount. You're going to also get to check out the demo there. You can see a video with me talking about how great it is. Go check that out. Usecanopy.com backslash Heath. Thank you so much, guys. Now let's get back to the show. So one in a hundred startups will get funding and one in 10 VC startups back startups will have a meaningful exit. So you're talking, you know, like, what would that be? One in a thousand potentially. Um, so there's a bunch of things. They say, you know, when it comes to small business, I just heard this the other day, there's foxes and there's like hedgehogs. You know, a fox is clever, can go get money, whatever else, dress up, whatever. A hedgehog knows one thing, burrows down, probably doesn't want to talk to anybody, is just going to go build their business. I think when you're raising money, if you want to go the VC route, you got to be a little bit of a fox. You know, you got to be a little bit of a community. You got to meet people, tell a big story. But I think soon as you have, quote unquote, the bag, you know, like they say, you got to turn into a hedgehog really fast. Um, so there's a show and a vision if you want to get, quote unquote, like other people's money. And it's got to have this like huge industry, huge outcome, moral idea, like you're selling, right? You're selling, selling, selling. Here's my $2 million. 
oh, now I need to go run a business. If you're chasing metrics and if you're hiring people to hire people and on some imaginary like burn rate, especially today, um, playing some like greater fool game, I think you're going to blow yourself up, you know, but if you get that, that ammunition or that ability to build something and you have a secret, you know, I think you, you kind of bunker down and start building. Um, With that being said, you know, in any enterprise, any startup, you don't know what you don't know. And you just got to start, you know, and you got to go around that corner, take a look, adjust your tack around that corner, take a look, adjust your tack. It's never going to be a straight line. Um, I had Kyle Nakasuji with uh, Clear Cover on for a second episode. And I was like, hey, it was easy, right? Everything's gone exactly to plan. Clear cover is just growing up into the right. Like, right. You want it. he's like, yeah, of course. He's like, all right, we're done then, right? Um, you're struggling because you know it's a, you know, a show, I'll say. Like, you know it's wild. Um, yeah. My theory is always you need like four ways to win. You know, you need a few different revenue streams, a few different deal paths, a few different type of partnerships. Um, if you're dependent on like one crux, Sometimes you got to hit that number, you know, that's the Andreessen Horowitz thing. Sometimes you got to pull that out, but I'd rather have four ways to survive, four levers to, you know, pull a made, you know, like a kind of quiet company service D to C arm plus a product built for agents because we're really good at getting product out. Um, you know, we're going to learn some stuff in the DCC side that's going to help us in the agent side and vice versa. Um, I think you need constant test kitchens. I think today you have to have an eye on profitability, which is like, you know, almost a four letter word for startups, but, you know, businesses are supposed to make money. Um, you know, Tony Connies would say it's insurance and it's technology. It's insure tech. You need both to survive in our game. I would say you need, and I'm just listening to podcasts talking about this morning, but you need people who know how to sell and sort of build a business, but you also need people who understand the finance and the spreadsheets and sort of how to math it out and make sure you're not going to blow up. Um, you know, and you have to right. make hard decisions, you know, my only two cents, the only advice I give to founders is I get a little more gray hair is just stay close to the problems. Like it's going to hurt. It's not going to be fun, but talk to your sales guys, talk to your customers, you know, make sure you're in the fight with them. Cause I think that's where the solutions come from. Yeah. Yeah, no, I completely agree. And so for the insurance agents that are listening, cause I could go off on a long rabbit trail on this uh, and name drop and whatnot with you. But for the agents listening to this that uh, are wanting to dive into, you know, more technology and getting into some of these now proven, in my opinion, insure tech mm-hmm. companies, um, whether it would be, again, name dropping, but openly comes to mind. Yeah. Branch comes to mind. You know, uh, there's a whole bunch of them and I won't keep going, but uh, I've had people from their, both those companies on my show and even, you know, some of these other ones that have done really well in the trucking space or in some of these other spaces, you know, what, is there any way you could help them, you know, to think about, you know, can you trust these companies, what to look for mm-hmm. in an insurance company? And they come to me again, like with openly, they might say, well, all they do is, is home. What am I going to do with the auto and how do I package that? What do I do? Or those ones that only do auto and the ones that do, there's a whole lot of things that go into that. And some agencies want to run into that, but they're a little hesitant. So is there any advice you could break that down for them on and maybe share a few nuggets on that from your perspective as an agency owner? Yeah. I don't think it's got to be a top to bottom, like full reset. I would just think, Hey, what's bothering you the most in your day to day? You know, if, you don't always want to write a full package and umbrella and cars and home for Chubb. You know, if you're a, you know, if you work primarily in commercial, but occasionally you got to take care of different needs, 
and one of your insureds, you know, buys a house, you know, openly could be really cool, you know, and can get that done for them quick. Uh, I don't know branch as well. Um, you know, our buddies over at Canopy, you know, if you're drowning in person lines and you can't read some picture of a, a VIN number that somebody gave you from, you know, through their windshield, uh, you can get people to log into their current accounts and get their data. I would just say what sucks in your day? You know, what do you hate? And like, so identify the problem and yeah. look for a solution and maybe yeah. the insured tech could be that solution. I think so. Instead of reinventing the wheel, yeah. maybe, you know, sew up your processes, so to speak, with an insured tech or with yeah. some sort of technology, so to speak. And so I think people, they're scared of it. And for a long time, when insured tech first became a thing, people were talking and I'm going back. I don't know the exact time frame, but 10 or 12 years ago, people were like, they're going to replace us. We're not going to have insurance agencies anymore. And I feel like the independent channel is stronger than ever now. Yeah, I think so. Instead of we've been replaced and people thinking it's going to be, you know, like the Jetsons and we're going to have a robot come in and do, I just don't think it's like that. And I think we've seen too much on TV and movies that have kind of scared us or we think it's replacement and I'm glad you dropped Canopy. I didn't have to do it. Uh, I was going to, but I, you know, I was going <laughs> to try to dial it back a little. But I'm glad you brought them up because, again, going back to raising capital and doing the right thing, I think they're a prime example of someone. You know, Tolga did it very carefully, strategically, yep. did things the right way, and found a huge problem that he was able to solve. And now branching off into commercial lines. Which yep. if you've ever written commercial insurance, you know how difficult it is to get loss runs and getting it from the other agent and trying to play nice, but also take their business from the back door. And he's found a way to do that with one click of a button, so to speak. And Tolga's been with me, as you know, and most of my listeners from day one, almost. That's you know, cool. We started together. I've watched his company do really, really well, and I'm very proud of what he's done. Shout out to Canopy Connect. Um, and if you already heard the ad earlier in the intro, sorry, you get to hear it again. But I, I love my friends there. Go to usecanopy.com, last drop there. But I think there's other companies like that you could find to, again, going back to another buzz thing right now, is the customer experience, the customer journey. Mm -hmm. To shore that up a little bit with some of that tech. And so, again... Um, Feel free to name drop or just bring up other things. Is there other things besides Canopy or some other technology that you've seen out there that can really help? Um, yeah, I'll, I'll probably stay off specific names, but that's um, fine. And Rob's but, awesome too. I was liking out Rob. We oh joke yeah, a lot. he's the best. Uh, I just know that there's been at least one agent specifically who focused on technology clients who built a very good living, and he said every time he got buried, he just found a new tool. And I think the biggest issue with InsureTech couple of years ago was there's a lot of point solutions. And I, now I think they're a lot better at kind of talking to each other. It is still a little bit of a duct tape sort of ecosystem and not to shout out, you know, big orange companies, but they're doing things that want to connect the dots a little better, make it a little easier for things to plug in together, which is really cool. And oh, I think yeah. that's where we got ahead because even the biggest of the big companies can't fix everything and there's enough for them to chew on. Um, so that's cool. I think that's ahead in the right direction. Yeah, and not I to like agree talk about the big orange companies too much, but they've also brought in more insurance people. I think I've noticed, which is cool too. Again, I think ahead in the right direction. So I want to, I want to be mad at that. Um, I would say like technology isn't a cure all. It's not going to solve everything. You're not going to plug something in and be done. Like you got to watch your business processes. You got to watch your people. You got to watch your culture. And then it's just something that can make things a little more connected. You know, I, yeah. I still think the fundamentals are the fundamentals. 
Yeah. What, and my advice, and I would love to hear your thoughts on this. I've been removed from agency owner world for a few years now, but I would think, you know, map out your customer journey of what you want it to look like from, mm-hmm. you know, prospecting to inking the policy to however many touch points you want to do. And I'll shout out, you know, you mentioned him earlier, Paradiso, whether you take that approach of like, I think he has 23 touch points throughout a customer journey. That's cool. Or if you want to have four or five, whatever that looks like, I would say map that out and then find out where can I, where can I make this more streamlined with technology or with maybe again, to shout out CoverDesk. Let's just do some name dropping here, Yeah. but you know, CoverDesk, or if you want to bring in any other VA company, but yeah. you know, um, I think CoverDesk is the best, but you know, you bring in that or you bring in something like Canopy to make that journey better or an insure tech company like Openly or something. I think, in my opinion, you map out your journey first and then kind of fill those gaps in with where you feel like tech would fit in. And again, you're more versed in this than I am, but am I off base on that or am I close? No, it's we're talking about technology because there's a lot of funding and exits and we see wealth creation, hopefully value creation. It's the people, man, it's the process. It's the customers. Like that's what it's about. Like all this other stuff. It's honestly probably us like partially just amusing ourselves. Um, you know, it's the customers at the end of the day and you got to hire treat and I'm five years in. And to be honest, like my stuff's a mess. I'm like, I got to get more organized if I'm going to keep doing my own thing. You know, it, it can get ahead of you, you know, as you've, branch into a bunch of different avenues and kind of get pulled a few directions takes real discipline to say, yeah, this is what I'm doing. This is how I'm doing it. Or even to niche into something. And that's where I got to mature a little and know what I'm focused on. And yeah, shout out to CoverDesk too. Andy's awesome. And they're the killers of what they do. Um, Yeah. So, so do you ever see a world where, and I always wanted to experiment with this and I think I've, you know, heard other people say this obviously, so it's not an original idea, but that there could be a one-man operation that you know automated everything and ran an entire operation off of just tech or VAs or whatever. And do you think that could ever be a world where that could happen? They never touch the customer, talk to the customer, anything like that. Could that be something that could ever happen? Or do you believe like I do, it's always going to be a relationship and need that personal touch? I think you could use the service centers. I think you could use the VAs. I think you could take it pretty far and do a lot by yourself. I think that if you ever went fully automated, because there are like lead shops these days, like I don't want to mention, I don't want to get you in trouble. I don't want to pick on anybody because they may be customers or somebody or something, Um, but it's always going to be commoditized. and It's not going to be a sticky book. Um, And it might be kind of bunk policies that get out the door. You can do it. It's being done today. And I think it was even probably done in the eighties. You know what I mean? Like just big old mills. Um, but you're not going to build like a you're not going to build an asset and you're not going to build something of pride you're going to have a a funky little book of business you could spin out for like a year year and a half's revenue um but if you want something really cool and really killer and curated and like a book of business you're proud of that you know is going to be worth a lot i think you still need eyes on it it's sort of like you could have a robot make a pizza but like a pizza chef's probably going to crush it you know yeah over the 100%. little frozen robot pizza today yeah i think similarly you can just spit out a policy but it's gonna be way different you know for now you know so you mentioned a big orange company not by name uh i can (laughs) but um you know one of the things that we've kind of studied over the last three years that there's several years and even more recently is you know a study of how many pieces of tech the average agency has Uh what what was found was i think the average was eight okay i can see that 
it starts, in my opinion, with that agency management system. It's yeah. kind of like the hub. Yeah, and yeah. everything else kind of shoots off from there. And so, again, whether it's, you know, obviously from the agency management system, you got to have a CRM. Mm-hmm. And then from there, you've got to have whatever other technology you need. Um, but if you were to try to, you know, m- mention some of those eight, and again, I'm putting you on the spot. We didn't really rehearse any of this. But yeah. what else would you think, you know, once you get the management system and the CRM, <laughs> where else do you think agencies should go? Yeah, anything that makes the client's life easy. You know, okay. it's so silly. I was even giggling to myself thinking about it. EFAX, you know, and Ring Central pops the EFAX mm-hmm. in there, um, which still comes up. You know, you'd be surprised. Oh, yeah, you know, yeah, VoIP pickups. is another one. That's a good one too. Yeah. Oh, you, uh, you know, just info collecting, you know, our buds at Canopy to punch some of the data in. Um, yeah, just think it through. I think your eight's right. It's nothing. I mean, there's no like magic to it. I mean, you just right. think your day to day, you know, I even have a mailbox I use because I'm not sure I'll always use the same office. So, right. you know, like it's so funny. There's like the, the tactile things too. You know, I'm always trying to make my business cards better. I've got yeah. the QR code on my phone, but you have to remember who the contact was and I'll like screenshot their LinkedIn as soon as I get it. So I don't forget who they were. Um, but hey, I'm still using business cards, you know, uh, it's little stuff, you know. I'm going to an event tonight. Yeah. I'm thinking through what clothes I'm going to wear. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I'm going to present myself, you know? Um, it's yeah, funny it's you say that. And, okay, my audience is going to laugh at me probably, but I don't care. And you're probably going to make fun of me as well. But, uh, so we, my my wife and I set, you know, our oldest daughter down. And we were watching just old, like, movies, like uh, Mean Girls and Clueless. And some of those old, like, just showing our kids, you know, bullying. And how it was even going on in the 90s and whatnot and 2000s and you know, we were just kind of going through some of that. I think it was Clueless. I don't know if you've seen it. Again, don't make fun of me. It's girl movies. That's a great got, 90s movie. No, no, it's a I classic. Got, I, that and Mean Girls, they're, they're awesome comedies. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. But even she had in the, the, in the I think it was 99, 98 yeah. when it came out, she had this digital closet yeah. that she would scroll through her whole entire closet, you know, and be able to see that. And that was forward thinking back then, in my opinion. So it's funny you were talking about that. It's made me think about thinking about your wardrobe, she yeah. was even doing that back then. And so it's just funny to think about how much, you know, oh, the Jetsons kind of and Star Trek predicted all this, right? You know? That yeah. is crazy. That's Buckmeister Fuller or whatever. in like the 1920s, you know? Um, yeah. And then you think funny. about like when I was at um, the one city world tour and they brought the DeLorean in. Oh, cool. Yeah. That was crazy. Think about back the future. And I've been waiting on these uh, flying skateboards, and they haven't yeah. happened yet. But, you know, we've got <laughs> um, hoverboards, but I don't think they really hover. But anyway, go ahead. I, I thought you were going a different direction with that, which is interesting. So my no, mom, no, go take it wherever you want yeah, to. No, I think I'm I got rabbit related. trailing. Uh, my mom, yeah, I was East LA. Like we joked that she's either buying you presents or yelling at you. She's a Mexican woman. She's awesome. She's loving, and my dad's loving too. His own way, German, English, Scottish, very stoic, very serious. You know, growing okay. up, it's always like people judge you how you read, write, and look, you know, like there was just, even as like little kids, it was like pounded into us. Like, and we didn't follow, I mean, we didn't pay attention. We were a mess, but um, you know, there's that cognizant, you know, of just presenting. And I have a friend, uh, Kashif Zubair is a good professional. He's like, it's important to look sharp because people are judging you on how much stress you can take. And his thing was, if you look presentable, if you look fit, if your clothes are in good order and people can give you more problems to solve. If you come in the room looking like a mess five minutes late, like people are going to be like, I can't give this guy anything else to do. He's, he's a mess. Um, and on the flip side of that, there is kind of the George Costanza walk around the office looking frustrated when people think you're busy, you know? So. Right. Got to pay attention, you know, it's got to be a method to the madness. <laughs> right. And you can, you know, that's one of the things that was a big part of the last couple of years of my career of 
there's a difference in busy and productive. Oh yeah. 100%. Dude, and, my dad, we'll talk about that to this day. You know? Yeah. I, you uh, can easily uh, look busy, you know, yeah. but were you productive in that busyness? And so I think going back to tech, I think that's, you know, a big part of some of that. And so one of the things, again, we don't script these things out, but, uh, you know, we were kind of texting a little bit before we got started. You mentioned you may have an idea or two you might want to discuss. And so I'm putting you on the spot here. We can edit if we need to. No, no, no. Uh, oh, good. Um, you know, I didn't know if there was anything else, you know, we might want to jump into. Uh, well, you'd mentioned like what I'll call the smaller like incubators and yeah, the, yeah. the groups of agents who are helping startups get going um, versus yeah, which what I think I'll is call, super cool. Yeah. You know, the classic like VC funded, you know, enterprise scale billion dollar exit. Um, I learned this from a buddy, Pat Cost, MGV. You know, insurance is a huge industry, but there's slivers of value, there's slivers of revenue. Like, you're not going to always attack the whole $2 trillion pie. So you have to pay attention to what is your startup doing and what is that part of the vertical? You know, if it's claims fraud, okay, there's a half a billion dollars of claims fraud every year. So that means there's $500 million. If there's already three companies in the space and there's only $500 million to split up, then that means our outcome, even if we do great, can only be like 250 million. If I'm trying to say my company's worth X, you know, will it get there? So I think if any startups are listening to this, you have the IA channel, which I'll call intelligent smaller ball. And I mean, no disrespect, there's thousands of agents, they move a lot of it. And then you have, you know, the big orange guy and the other big guy, and you have the top four or five agencies in the country um, and that's going to have a different outcome. So like the the classic VCs that'll give you X amount for millions with a potential $300 million exit, billion dollar exit, that might be one door. Whereas if you're building something to help the IA channel, it might be another. Um, just pay attention to the metrics of the business you're trying to play, who you're trying to serve. And it doesn't mean you can't switch context or you can't switch potential future customers or outcomes, but you should probably know how you're trying to win first before you start the journey. And then, you know, it could be in your roadmap later to go from big enterprise to smaller, from small independent agents to big enterprise. But I just think it's helpful to know who to go to for funding and what your potential outcome is. And my last ramble, like I think of insurance and insure tech is a little bit smaller than fintech or other startups. So when I'm thinking about a startup, I'm thinking about a, a 40 to $300 million exit, which is still a lot of money, but I'm not thinking like billion you know, multi-unicorn. I'm like, that could happen, but what's the realistic possibility? You know, Um, that's how I look at it too. Well, yeah. And you, you bring up, you know, insurance agents get involved in funding on some of this. And I think in my opinion, that's a good thing because what I've noticed is I've dipped it. I'm now dipping my toe into the insure tech world and uh, getting involved more of the technology side of things, which is new for me. And um, I feel like the old guy in the room half the time now, but what I've noticed is the majority, and you've probably seen the same thing. The majority of these insure techs are ran by people that are not from the insurance world. They don't know the language necessarily. Mm-hmm. They may not know how to run an agency or how to run a carrier or how to run this. They know business, they know tech. But so now I'm thinking, how cool is it that they have an opportunity to have an advisor that is in the insurance world? And yeah. I know you've done some of this angel investing. You've been involved in some of this type of stuff. What does that mean for our industry, seeing tech startups having the backing of some of the brilliant minds in our industry? You mentioned some of them earlier. Yeah, that's no, fun. I got, you know, a Fineo shirt over there, one for uh, Marble. Um, you know, I've, I've had goofy sales jobs where like literally it's just given like a one page script 
to sell copiers and like grab some cards off somebody's desk. You know, my training for office moves was like two breakfasts and like go hit the bricks, you know, go start yeah. talking to building owners. Um, I've had to do a lot of like zero to one. Um, and I've been around great salespeople. I mean, there's been really good mentor discussions, but it wasn't like I had like corporate training. It wasn't like there were great pamphlets or something. I don't know. I've just had nothing. So I'm really helpful for the startups when they're getting going, when they're getting off the ground. I don't have an MBA, you know, maybe I'll get one, nothing against it. Um, but once they're getting like series A, 10 million, and then trying to like scale, I'm not sure how much help I can be. Um, but most of the agents you're talking about, most people we know, like they're small business folks, they're bootstrap folks, they're no funding folks, self-funding folks. So I think we're really helpful when things are getting going. And I think that independent kind of small business channel, there are going to be some great champions who are going to help start really cool companies out of there. Um, and then I do think there'll be experienced founders and people who've exited startups that can help those startups go from independent kind of small tech enabled businesses to venture back to enterprise level. You know, I'll give a shout out to like Raga from Tarmica, you know, like he's big guy, you know, um, but he's done that like small business thing. Now he's over at one of the other places that's pretty big. And then, you know, so maybe he could help the ones that go from zero to one to independent agents go to that other direction, you know? hundred um, percent. Yeah. And you think about Glovebox, you know, those yeah, boys built a exactly. million dollar premium agency and I don't know how long, you know, I think it was a short amount of time, whatever that number was. Yeah. And now look at them. They've got a very successful, you know, business that they've mm -hmm. come out of that tech startup world. And, They've raised some good money and, you know, I just think there's a lot to pay attention to, but I think there's also a lot that you could get lost in and get that shiny object syndrome. Yeah. So I, I get concerned for my citizens listening and the, the listeners out there, whether it's my show or any other of the shows they may listen to of, you know, finding the right one, figuring out which avenue to go, what's going to make it, what's not, who to fund, who not to, who to get involved with, who's not. And I guess there's no genie or crystal ball, but at the same time, I think you got to look at like attributes. I'm going to make this a little silly, like a video game. Um, I love it. Go. I, for myself, I'm looking to go personally, professionally, whatever, to like the next kind of rung. And I'm not trying to jump levels because I think that's kind of how you get hurt. You know what I mean? Like that's kind of how things go sideways or you overextend or I just want to level up consistently. Um, let's break down like a Tolga Canopy, for instance. He went to University of Waterloo. He went to like the MIT of Canada his tech and his eye is going to be nine out of 10 at least. Right. And then he worked at large scale venture back startups that were really yep. successful outside of insurance. Again, nine out of 10. So operator, um, business acumen, you know, maybe he's a six, let's call it, you know, could be greater. And maybe his insurance it, when he, before he got started, it was called two or three, but he still had those nines. Let's call it plus a six plus a two or three. So he's at like an eight, seven, eight. Right. Yeah. Um, you could have somebody who's a 10 at insurance, but if they're a one of tech, maybe a two of business, and they want to do like a tech startup, they're going to have a hard time, you know? Um, but if they're already building their own agency tools, building their own website, so they're a eight, you know, eight or nine on insurance, a five on tech, five on business acumen, you know, and like a seven on grit, they're probably going to be okay. Yeah. Um, I would just look for balanced teams, I guess. Um, yeah. You know, that's good advice. That's and that's really why I think good. they have co-founders a lot of the time too. Um, I think you'll have the guy who's a little bit more of the fox who can get the money, but I think you need a stodgy, you know, gray haired man or woman, you know, hedgehog that can sort of help keep the business on the rails too and not let the fox get too excited, you know? Yeah. So 
as we start to to wind down a little bit, because I just looked up, I was like, holy smokes. Um, uh. So let's talk about people that may want to dip their toe into this angel investing or mm-hmm. finding one of these startups they want to get involved with. And maybe they hadn't been asked to be a part of a bigger thing. Like we've yeah. not want to drop names, but uh, that's already started. But if they want to still get involved in that, you know, how do you even know where to go on that? Where do you start all of that? Cause it's hard to find some of that stuff, especially if you're in Podunk, Arkansas, or if you're in wherever, and I don't, I live in Arkansas, so I'm not dog in Arkansas. Don't get me wrong. But if you're living in, you know, somewhere you may not have that opportunity to be in a hub like that, where do you even begin to go on that? How do you become an angel investor or how do you become an investor in general? So the book that I kind of blame a lot of this on was uh, Angel by Jason Calacanis. And then I'll try to send you this form too, but my friend Stephen Goldstein gave me a document too that kind of breaks down time value trade. Um, if you're a huge, huge heavy hitter and you got reach, maybe you get 2%, you know, 1% of a really early stage startup to be very hands-on, you know, sometimes it might be like 0.1% and that's where you got to think like, is the outcome going to be big enough? Um, I don't want to go into too many details of my deals, but you just kind of got to be realistic about your time commitment, what value you can bring. Um, for me, rule number one was always trust and like, because you're going to spend some time with these people. You know, I mean, it's going to be years, you know, yeah. so, you know, you don't want to sort of choose to hop into something if it's going to be pulling teeth. Um, Twitter, of all things, is a really fun water cooler. I know I've kind of nudged you on that before. That's where I've connected with some great folks. LinkedIn's okay, too. Um, and then just regionally, you know, there's a great group in Ohio. Um, there's a great group in Utah, you know, there's Miami's got a group. So most places I would say have a node or you can spin one up. Um, going back to the broker Bruce thing, you could create a community. I would say like design it for your own sort of enjoyment. So you'll have longevity. Um, and the other trick I think is make other people look good. You know, if you're talking about yourself the whole time, people get a little burnt out. Um, but so become a name dropper like Brett Fulmer. Of course, I, I have my list over here, and I'm gonna yeah forward this to everybody. Very, um, very intentional. Yeah, and, and yeah. I love that, and I think that's a smart way of going about it. And so, because I do know, and I talk to agents, large and small, on a daily, and a lot of them are like, "Hey, you know, what if I did back the next enterprise? What if I did, you know, find this right thing and side income or whatever it might be, or I help this angel investment that helps me here and does mm-hmm. this and." Because I've noticed a lot of insurance agency owners are, you know, you know, one foot in the selling world and the other foot in the let's make the industry greater. Well, they they kind of want to entertain themselves too, right? Because once you have a business set up and running, spinning over, if it's spinning off a little bit of cash, I think some of it's just to stay engaged, you know. And I and I think I use the analogy of when I was growing up in the business, maybe even you yourself, of it was a lot of one foot on in the insurance agency and one foot on the golf course. Yeah. I think a lot of times nowadays, instead of that it's one funny. foot on the golf course, now they're doing one foot more in the content tech space or yeah, the content tech. space or the yeah. Twitter or TikTok or whatever it might yeah. be. And I think there's nothing wrong with that. I just think it's interesting to see how we've migrated and how we've changed a little bit. Don't get me wrong. There's still a lot of golfers out there in the no, insurance that's a industry. Good no, but, that's a That's fair. My situation is a crack up because I accidentally did it backwards where I was hanging out with like <laughs> Nick Lamparelli and those guys. Yeah. And I got involved in startups really, you know, before I knew anything. And I know more than I did, but I still know I have a long ways to go. So like I've had to grow up in front of people on the agency side while already, you know, luckily getting a chance to be involved in tech, which is a ton of fun. Um, you know, groups like Smart Choice have brought me along so far as an agent. Um, but I'm really enjoying working on that craft and I'm in my own head because 
going back to our attributes, like I can get tech, you know, I'll give myself an eight there. But in terms of an agent and sales and operations, I'll go three or four. You know, PNC, I'm probably close to a five. Life, I'm probably a two. Benefits, a one or a two. Um, you know, agency structuring management, five maybe. You know, processes, three. But what I'm hearing is yeah. you've got a lot of room you can grow, a yeah. lot of area that you can, you know, there's the ceiling's nowhere near close. And so that's fantastic to hear. I'm enjoying that. And, and I love that side of the game. Some people are like, why are you doing the, the agency stuff? I'm like, because it's cool. Like, I want to get good at it. And to me, the high water mark is being able to feed yourself and then choosing to do other things. And I would love to get there, you know, get further as an agent. Um, so we're all growing. We're all working on something. Yeah. So let's do some some rapid fire quick as, as you can, so to speak, of tell me, I know you're involved in a lot of things, but anything mm-hmm. you want to shout out, whether it's insurance nerds, the agency, or anything you've got going on, you know, out there, any of your angel investments, anything else, I want to give you a shout out, you know, time to talk for the next three or four minutes as, as we wrap up and yeah. any contact info, people want to reach out. You just go, I'll shut up. No, you're good. I appreciate it. Um, you know, Marvel's been awesome. So it's funny. I actually have two startups out of New York right now. Uh, Policy Wallet, Rewards and Points. I would say true, what we call like fintech, big, shiny startup kind of skill and savvy. Uh, playing in insurance. I don't mean to pick on us in that way, but I think they're doing really cool stuff. And then it's pretty fun, you know, in New York as well as OneFort, and they've gone right after the middle market for cyber tooling quoting. Again, going back to the IA kind of small channel versus major four big outcome. I think they intelligently went right right to the middle market because they saw if you get a couple W's there, you're looking pretty good. Um, but I'm very blessed and thankful to be working with them more recently. And then Fineo, we're still a little quieter, but we're still around doing the life insurance, you know, kind of sales platform. Um, just truly that's, that was my like college and graduate school of startups. You know, that took me from a two to an eight or a nine in startups, you know, before yeah. Fineo, I helped a data visualization startup in the t- like the OTS, I guess they call it, like 2015. And then I had a pickup basketball website I tried to do in like 2004. Um, but I didn't really know, you know, uh, Fineo is really where I kind of cut my teeth and sort of, you know, earned my chops and, you know, went to like VC's house, you know, and, you know, Palo Alto and brought beer because I didn't know how to like not show up with anything in my hand. <laughs> and right. the, well, it's kind of fun. And then the caterer accused me, he's like, you just brought those with Racer 5 a really good North Cal beer. Mm-hmm. Um, he's like, you just brought those because you want to drink them. Like, do you blame me? Right. And then this is where we all get to contribute. Um, the party was a little bit tighter. Everyone's on the patio in the sun. I end up like mentioning the beer and going down with the guy who owned the fund, son, who was in his 20s. And we cracked the first beers and sort of drug everybody's shade. So even the salesman was the one who kind of was there sort of initiating the motion, you know? Yeah. Um, we all have something to contribute. I love our little bowling ball salespeople and in the tech startups, you know, in the VC land, like they still need us to kind of help instigate, you know, and connect yeah. the dots, you know? So that's what I feel like I do. Yeah. I, I joke a guinea pig who can talk, you know, around and sure tech. I love it. Um, yeah. No, yeah. You know, we'll just try to play the game, you know, try to be mm-hmm. candid boots on the ground. Oh yeah, um, you you yeah. dropped insurance nerd people a little bit. Oh, yeah. go ahead. You were gonna go somewhere else, but go ahead. Oh, you said contact info. Just yeah. uh Brett B R E T T at brokerbrett.com. Uh I think LinkedIn and backslash broker Brett, Twitter, it's like uh broker underscore Brett. But yeah, pretty easy to find. Yeah. 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 And I'll drop your contact info in the uh the show notes. But could you 
you know, end us out with a little bit about insurance nerds and what that yeah. is. So insurance nerds, I would say really started with the book about insuring tomorrow, insuring millennials, which is crazy that I think it was like eight years ago now or something. Uh, Tony and Carly and then Nick hopped in there, you know, early on, really helped level it up. Rob Galbraith played a hand. Brian Faltruck helped out a little bit, published his first book. Um, we have a great Slack community, 20,000 people on LinkedIn, you know, if anybody wants to sponsor support, um, but really just kind of a homegrown avenue to contribute, you know, kind of raise up the community. What I think is interesting about it is we have a lot of young folks on it, like Gen Z, and then we have a lot of executives, probably a little lighter on the broker side, probably a little heavier on the industry side. So it's cool for me to talk to underwriters, talk to actuaries, get like a full picture rather than, you know, a yeah. sales guy just trying to push paper. Probably it honestly messes me up as a salesman because I write too good a business. Sometimes I should just be shoving policies out the door, but I think like an underwriter and uh, yeah. No, that's, there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. Right. Strategically grow game. with business that you, yeah, for sure. The business yeah. that you want to write. So that's smart. Uh, dude, I, I appreciate you hopping in with me and hanging out and coming back fun. again. Yeah. Uh, I know the town always loves to hear you. So I appreciate you, brother. Yeah. No, likewise, man. Thanks for, you know, being a voice of the agent, being a voice of the people trying to explore alongside. And I think it's cool to not, we don't have it all figured out. You know, we're, right. we're all grown together. And I appreciate you taking that approach rather than, you know, banging the desk. You know? Yeah, dude. I appreciate that, man. Uh, have a great day, brother. You too. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you so much, guys, for hanging out with me and Broker Brett today in the program. I hope you guys had as much fun as I did. What a great time. And uh, hopefully he broke that down to you in a way that uh, you loved as much as I did. If you've got an idea for your own show, go to GetReadySetPodcast.com and uh, check it out. Ready, Set, Podcast, turning your brilliant ideas into reality. Thanks again, guys. Uh, also, keep coming at me with your ideas, your show notes, your uh, thoughts, everything like that. It's my favorite thing of the week is getting in the grab bag and, and the mail bag and checking out all the letters that you send me and the the letters, the the emails, the, the posts, the DMs, all of those things. Keep coming there. Email me at heath at insurancetownpodcast.com. Uh, guys, thanks again. I look forward to hanging out with you again next week.